Welcome to episode 2 of the Footstock Deck Builder Podcast. This month we have 5 amazing guests joining us. People who are making content, everything from blogs to live streams, pack openings, you name it. Guys are actually doing data supplies for us now so it help you with single roulette as well as all your tournament entries. And overall, tournament winners, cornerstones of the community, you name it guys, are all here on the podcast. This month, me and each of my guests will be looking at 4 clubs, the final stages of the season, who are going to be the must-haves, who are the lost causes, and who could be the surprise packages. We all want to finish the season strong. Who are you going to need stacked up in your collection? Who are you going to be able to trade for profit? And most importantly, who do you need to boost yourself up those leaderboards in the tournaments and bag yourself some tournament money? All the links will be in the description of each part where you can find my guests. And of course, all my links will be across everything where you can find me on YouTube and everything else, Twitter, you name it. Last month, guys, the episode was amazing. And I know a lot of you got a lot of success out of the advice we got. This month is going to be no different. I know you're going to have a lot of fun listening because I had a lot of fun making it, guys. And let's get stuck into it. Sorry guys, just before we get into the episode, me and Lethal had a great time doing this, but the audio on my end is absolute trash. The computer picked up the wrong microphone, I've got about three or four in here with cameras and headphones and everything. I've tried to edit it and fix it, it's not really happening. We did have a great chat, so I really didn't want to go and re-record it. I understand if you don't spend as much time on this one, but trust me, eh, me and Lethal had a great chat, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, hope you enjoy guys, thanks a lot. Um, all the other ones, the audio is perfect by the way. Take care, enjoy. And on this part, joining us, guys, we have got the one, the only, you've seen him everywhere, he's on YouTube, he's on Twitter, he's on the packs, he's winning roulette tournaments, he is doing the virtual battles like a pro, it's none other than Ryan Weedful, I am Weedful. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hello, well, cheers for having me, It's uh, I think this has been well overdue, isn't it, really? We've obviously been very aware of each other and friends in the community for a long time, and it's just been a case of kind of getting this collaboration going, so yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it's well overdue, budget. Yeah, we're very late. Um, before coming on the record, just for you guys that are listening, um, me and Ryan, you know, we're trying to get together do something for a little while, and finally, we've got something that we can have a good wee chinwag about, and hopefully bestow some wisdom upon the listening millions. Um, <laughs> so, Ryan, we're, we've got four clubs now again, I say this at the beginning of every episode, I always say to the guests that are coming on, who is the team that you support so that you know, I make sure that you get them in this episode. And, you know, last month we had a Chelsea fan, and then this month we've got another Chelsea fan in yourself, Ryan. So we're going to start off with Chelsea. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and the fixtures we're talking about, just for the viewers out there, the listeners, I should say, we're covering all the fixtures from the 3rd of July all the way through to the end of the season. Okay, doc. So Chelsea, the first game we've got is at home at Watford on the 4th. They then go away back-to-back trips with Palace and Sheffield, at home at Norwich, away in Liverpool, and at home at Wolves before they went to the Champions League run. They have a tough finish to the season, but Chelsea are in good form, Ryan, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, certainly in good form. And uh, something I looked at just a second ago, what I was uh, quite shocked at, is looking at the kind of a form table of the previous five games. And that actually puts Chelsea top top in terms of uh, the last five games, what I was quite shocked about. So, of course, we had the very, very uh, successful win against City the other night. Um so chuffed with that, really. I mean, there was obviously so much hype around it in terms of Liverpool winning winning the league, but I was really frustrated sitting there watching it as a Chelsea fan. They didn't even really discuss it afterwards. Like they didn't discuss the game at all. Or I mean, uh, am I right in saying you're a City fan, a Man City fan, sort of? 
I am a City fan as well. Yeah. yeah. So no, I, I, I agree with him. The game finished. It was just all Liverpool, and it was like it was yeah. City more chance to chat. It was just. <laughs> I was quite disappointed because I, I mean, again, I might be being biased here, but I think the way Chelsea dealt with City was just really good it was I mean obviously you can't go into a game against City expecting to hold possession and I just think the way we were set up we defended really well obviously City went on top form uh, obviously it was a bit of a strange setup without a striker uh, without an out and out kind of forward centre forward but um, I just think the way we dealt with the game and then took our chances I, I, I was quite impressed so that was obviously a massive win um, w- when I was looking at the the run in to the end of the season that was one that obviously I had down for, for zero points so yeah. to, to take three points from that is just a massive boost for the top four I don't uh, think so top, top four is pretty much soon up I would say that you know yeah. fair enough mathematically it's not quite there but Let's, let, let's call a spade a spade, you know, for the games that are left. Wings are probably only your real contenders, but you've got a game in hand on them, you know, so yeah. as long as you get the game in hand done, um, you know, I think, you know, I, I seen after the game, or I might be on Twitter or something, but Frank Lampard in, in beating Chelsea and Liverpool this year, the only, the Chelsea have only come to do that, I think. Or yeah. they must be against the, you know, Liverpool only lost one game. Um, so, yeah, I think seeing that first open my first stock account, Chelsea's one of the clubs that I thought I'm stocking up on players because I really like a lot of the squad that they have and I really like the fact that you know also you're a Chelsea fan will hopefully agree with me but this has probably been the perfect storm for Chelsea the transfer ban bringing in Lampard and a combination of the players that are in the, the club at the moment your Mounts Abrahams Gilmore's and whatever so I really like the position they're in and yeah, I think so, so much youth isn't there really I think Lampard's done such a great job coming in with the transfer ban, uh, not a lot to work with, losing our best player. And he's just done, in this first season, so many people wrote us off for like going to be kind of a, a mid-table finish. So we have to be very happy if we can get that top four that we're looking good for. We're still in the FA Cup, still in the champ, well, somewhat in the Champions League. Uh, we're down <laughs> from the first leg. I think we can pretty much call that uh, out of that as well, to be honest with you. But it's been a good season. We've built a good kind of ground to work on now. Obviously, got a couple of big signings coming in. So, I mean, I think this uh, it's looking very exciting. Really, the future at Chelsea. Um, but hmm. I think I think the squad hasn't been this this interesting. The Chelsea squad really since Jose Mourinho, yeah, since really his first stint when they were going out and you know buying Crespo, Mutu, Makélélé, Balak, Veron. You know, just about bought all the big hitters and. Picking up Werner and Dyatch already, you know, are they done? You know, who knows? Yeah, I mean, personally, for me, uh, going into the kind of transfer side of it, I think the only other position we need to fill um, is is left back, um, realistically. I mean, we've got Alonso there. He's a he's one that is very split across uh, across Chelsea uh, fans. He he can get forward, and going forward, he's he's a great asset and I think he personally is a good option for us as a left wing back but when we're playing four at the back he just isn't quite good enough defensively having said that he put in a good shift against City and he was actually going to be one one of the players I did bring up really um, in terms of the players I was interested in uh, just because I think he's got a good chance especially he might be a good hold for the rest of the season I think Emerson it's just out of it. He's not really been given a chance at all now. I'm not even sure if it, maybe he's injured, but yeah, basically the only contender for me uh, at left back is if Reese James comes in at right back, and then that kind of pushes Aspilicueta to left back. Uh, but other than that, I think yeah, Alonso's got a good stint. He, he's he can take a free kick, but that's for sure. Um, oh, yeah. And his attacking contributions are pretty good. So I think he's around kind of just above one pound, one pound twenty-five maybe. Uh, so he's one to consider potentially, uh, potentially, but. Um, 
I've seen the ups and downs of him in the past couple of seasons, so it's, it's certainly a bit of a risky one from him. But yeah, well, definitely. I, I think I said it on the last episode when we were talking Chelsea. You know, if you do see Marcus Alonso as on the score sheet, you, you don't really, but you're, you're, you're never surprised. You know, like they, they do have a goal in them, whether it be a free kick or whether it just be overlapping runs from fullback. Mm-hmm. So definitely, and the one pound twenty three as it sits in now, PPG ten point three seven. It's a good spot to be in, you know, and uh, for a two star defender. There's a lot, you know, like you say, competition at left back is almost non-existent because I think, from what I can see anyway, and you might correct me if I'm wrong, but Asper Quetta does seem pretty settled. He's always going to play in the back four, whether it be centre back, right back, or even left back, you know. So, oh, I mean, I he's another that. one to look at Asper Quetta because he is always going to be starting. He's our captain. I don't know how long he will be for, but he's been really stepping up to the plate recently. I see a clip from BT Sport of him kind of um, on one of the drinks breaks against City and him really just kind of commanding the team and, and being a real captain. That's something I haven't seen in the past, but I think as he, obviously he's got a lot of youth around him. I think he's really stepping up to the plate and kind of taking charge. So like you say, he's going to be one that is generally always going to be starting. He's cemented his, his spot if it is right back, centre back, or even fitting in at left back. Um, so I, I like him as well. I mean, to get two assists against Aston Villa, that was impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he's another potential one, really, to look at. I mean, obviously, with him, you've got the added value of, of roulette as well. So I think that's yeah. quite a safe one uh, in terms yeah. of value. So, um, I mean, we've looked at a little bit of the youth. We'll go into that a bit more as well. But uh, another one I want to look at is the kind of other end of the spectrum. So we've just spoke about Aspen Aquetta being a bit, a bit of the kind of uh, experience in the team. Uh, an interesting one to look at is, is William and Pe- Pedro. So the, the two old ones, two that were doubtful if they were going to continue their kind of contract with Chelsea. It looks like Pedro's set to go to Roma. I'm not sure if you've seen that, but that's an interesting yeah. one. I'll, I'll um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I'm, William is another one that's been an important asset to Chelsea for a number of years. I don't know how, he, how long he's been around, probably like good seven, eight years now, Chelsea. Um, yeah, yeah, so um, it's interesting. I don't know if he'll, he'll, I mean, we've got a lot of players on the wing. Um, we've almost got it covered, but I'd like to see him stay. Uh, in the Chelsea shirt. I mean, he's going to be important towards the end of the season because of fitness, etc. Um, but I would, like, personally, as a Chelsea fan, like to see him stay uh, for another season just because I know we've got a lot of wingers, but just to have that experience uh, available to us, I like him as a player. Um, potentially not one to bring into this series, so I think we'll probably move past him. Other wing winger options... We've got Hudson Odoi. Um, I think Frank Lampard has kind of said that he's not quite up to fitness, um, so I think we haven't got to worry about him starting anytime soon. I think he'll, he'll certainly have to come off the bench a couple of times before he gets the, the, the cemented game time. But from what I've seen of him, I've been impressed. Have you seen much of him of Hudson Odoi? Yeah, I said, uh, yeah, last, not not this season. Last season, I've seen kind of breaking through and getting. Last year, we're buying Munich transfer fell through. Yeah, and uh, Sari started. He kind of get forced to play him because he was playing for England, but not Chelsea. Yeah, so I kind of seen that. that I kind of seen his, his emergence, but I've not really seen him much this year. Truth be told. Mm. Um, so Hudson Odoi, right? Let me ask you this, right? I, I from what I am like to like to believe from you know. The, the Twitter sphere and you know everything else is it he is a really exciting winger he's going to be you know he's a future England star all that kind of jazz right at 19 years old in that Chelsea squad with the likes of Zayic Werner coming in Pulisic is there also do we think Hudson-Odoi is going to be a, a, like he's seen as a starting player 
a starting player, I think, is going to be tough. I think he's going to really have to to shine, especially towards the end of the season, before those big boys do come in. Um, and like I said, obviously the fitness isn't there at the moment. Um, I I personally feel like he's going to be an impact player, maybe off the bench. But is he going to be happy with that as a nineteen year old, twenty year old? Is it, he's going yeah. to want more game time than that to develop? So. I don't know about his future. I love him. I'd love him to stay. But like you say, with such talent coming in, so many options, it's going to be tough to see him starting, really. Uh, Mason Mount switching a little bit. Mason Mount's another one that I thought was a bit of a kind of one not one season wonder. But I, I did doubt that he was going to be as good as we, we see him early on in the season. But after lockdown, I've been very impressed. And it, it looks like he's been working hard throughout lockdown to kind of keep to his fitness level. He's actually looked really sharp against uh, City and Aston Villa, so he's another one that can test. I mean, he used to be more of a more of a centre, kind of almost centre attacking mid, but he's being used a lot more out wide as well. So that's just even more competition for Hudson Odoi, really. Yeah, he's got he's got a decent placement, hasn't he? Mm. Um, definitely. So when I kind of look at the Chelsea team right uh, on Footstock, we've got a couple of three stars. You know, Kovacic is the Kovacic and Bruno have not mentioned, but the rest of them we kind of touched on. But we've got a lot, a lot. I believe very good two one-star players. You know? Yes, definitely. Um, what what are the squads? You know, so the PPGs will be a little bit kind of tame because Chelsea's season has been kind of up and down. You know, as much as a fourth, you know, I don't really get yeah. if I'm wrong, but I remember in the season like, oh, yeah. we went ten games winning in a row, or you know, anything like that. It's been maybe win one or two, lose one or two, win three or four, draw, but you know, that kind of pattern. So, that's what well, I was going to say. Yes. Yeah. So, obviously, looking at the the lower starred players, uh, I mean, one that is for me was going to be the first one I suggest uh, for this. Uh, I don't know if you're going to agree, but especially after after his performance against C, is Pulisic down at a one star player. Obviously, been injured since sort of Christmas time. Um, I've always believed him. I think he's up at about thirteen, fourteen pounds, so he is going up now. Um, but I just think he looks really sharp and has always been a good player. It's been a case of kind of getting the fitness and just fitting in in the Premier League. And I think he's really starting to do that now. And he was obviously a product of Borussia Dortmund, um, American in the Premier League. He, uh, From what I can see, he really loves the club. Um, yeah. So he's someone that's going to be here for a long amount of time. Obviously going to have a lot more competition, but especially going into the the end of the season, I mean, Frank Lampard has to give him game time. I mean, how can he not really start him after the performances? He's kind of the impact he come up, had off the bench against Villa uh, and then the impact he had going on the counter against City. Well, I, I make you right. I think that performance against City, like, I, I am a big politics fan. I think I've maybe said this on a video long ago. It's not something I'm about all the time, but I'm actually half American myself. My dad's American. Oh, really? So got, yeah, so, um, so uh, obviously you know, Ryan, like, Scotland haven't been to a World Cup since 98, so every World Cup that comes around, I'm always an America fan. <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, I've got I've got a soft spot for the young, the, the young players, and I'm here now to see Pulisic do well against City, despite my loyalties to, and, to City. And correct me if I'm wrong, but is he not kind of up there with probably the best American players? Like, I mean, I don't know what else you've got really going. I, I, I oh, think he's, he's a big prospect. He's definitely the best around at, at the moment, yeah, definitely. Well, I think, see, one thing I was going to say about Pulisic, is, uh, and again, I see that's one different thing that I make from time to time, depending on what players we're chatting about. One thing that's always really important to me on footstock or anything else is like any sort of pedigree you can find out about the player, you know, where they were trained and or you know, anything like that. So Pulisic went to Dortmund when he was like right young, get snapped up from America. But see Pulisic's mum and his dad, they're both professional and I'll say this because of where he's from, they're both professional soccer players. 
Wow, I, I did yeah. not know that. That is very, that is awesome. Yeah, so, so I see in America, so women's football is much bigger. So his mum was like a top-end USA women's player. And then his dad was like, I don't think his dad was a first-generation immigrant. His name's Pulisic, so they're from Eastern Europe. I think his dad was or is Eastern European and moved to America, if that makes sense. So he's from, obviously, Europe is where we play football mainly. He's went to America, maybe to make some money or whatever. But yeah, as a player, his wife's a player, you have a win. And then, <laughs> you know, he's, he's so good that he goes to British Dortmund at the age of 16, 17, whatever it was, you know. So players like that, they do have pedigree. There's a lot of questions that I make it in the Premier. And players like that, I never really have too much worries about. You know, as long as they get the opportunity, you know, that they've got a good background behind them. The Dortmund Academy, never mind his parents, you know, but even just coming through that Dortmund system, you know, that they're trained well, the technique will be spot on, and it's just getting the opportunity and making it happen. Yeah. So I'm a big, big fan of Pulisic. And the one star, fair enough, he's 13 grand, 14 quid at the moment. Yeah. I don't think there's many better options for us running into the season. As a I mean, good chance he's going to start. If, yeah, if, if he somehow ends up staying as a common going into next uh, next month, then that's a bonus. You can use him in beginner tournaments. Obviously, I know we haven't got a whole lot left of the season, but uh, but realistically, surely he's going to shoot up to a rare. I mean, if he keeps up this sort of form. So, uh, yeah, I think he's a really great option. Also, another good uh, kind of positive about him is, that, of course, he's American, so English speaking with such a, a youthful English team. Uh, I think that, that helps communication-wise um, with the other youngsters. So, yeah, no, I totally agree with you there. Um, okay, so see the only player I've not got in my collection from the Chelsea squad that I would probably like to, uh, definitely would like to have is Reese James. Okay, so for £16, Ryan, do you think he's good bang for buck? This is another one that I don't hold. I mean, obviously, being a Chelsea fan, I've yeah, I'm probably the same as you. I nearly have the whole squad. Um, I'm stocked up on a few of them that I believe in. Rhys James is one that I haven't grabbed hold of yet because of that exact exact reasoning. Um, as much as I believe in him as a, as a right back, and I think he is going to be class for Chelsea years to come, I just think at that price at the moment is a bit steep, especially he isn't he's not even starting over Asper the Quetta, etc. Um, it's tough. So I'm sort of waiting. He's been coming down a bit. I, I did see him over £20. So I probably am going to grab one at some point if he come, can come down a bit more. Um, it's a tough one. I mean, uh, you, you've asked me that question. From what you've seen, what do you think? He's he done very well in the Champions League a couple of times for us. Uh, and I've, when he's played. I've, again, genuinely, I've not seen enough of him to, to really have a comment. See, one thing I, I didn't mean to access to Ross last month, so I forgot. And I've seen something somewhere, and they're talking about Reese James. He did really, really well when he won one at Wigan, but he played centre mid a lot of the time. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I've certainly seen bits of that. And when he came on, he came on against Villa um, first game. I think he was kind of playing at, I mean, obviously we know he can get forward, but I, and I've seen his, in the past that he has played in midfield. But, um, yeah, he, when he came on as against Villa, I feel like he played a bit of a weird position. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if it was right back, it was certainly high up. However, having said that, when he did come on against Villa, he didn't look very good. I don't know if you see that game, but that was uh, he he came on, and pretty much every time he touched a ball, it was it was bad. So I think that's probably um, something that's contributed towards him not getting the start against City, and we'll see how we kind of how he gets on. Um, I'd love to see him excel, but he didn't look quite ready since since lockdown. But as a player, I love him. Someone I want to get my hands on, but at the moment. The game time he's getting, except I mean, obviously, I know sometimes brings, yeah, like you say, value for money as of yet. Yeah, so I'm just looking at the fixtures again. So, obviously, we've got a good kind of grasp of the squad and what's kind of knocking about. 
So having uh, Watford at home and then away to Paris, it's two London kind of derbies, you know, so it's not really much in a road trip, go to Paris and then it's up the road to Sheffield. So across those three games uh, and then the next game being Norwich, you know, if Chelsea picked up 12 points, I wouldn't really be that surprised, really. You know, I, I, I like Paris this season, I like Sheffield this season, but Zaha got an injury in the other game, I don't know how long that he's going to be out for, it was minor, and Sheffield have even fallen off. Yeah, exactly, time. yeah. I, I think now's the best time to play uh, Yeah, Sheffield United. They're really not, they're not quite out, are they? I think they're going to have to, they've been so stubborn on, on their game plan throughout the whole season, it's just not working since lockdown, and I do wonder if they will make any sort of change or if he'll continue to be stubborn with his tactics. But that's a great time to play him, like you say. Crystal Palace, uh, when I looked at the form table, Chelsea uh, being top from the last five games, I think Palace were third. So uh, yeah. Palace are in some serious form. But like you say, uh, potentially the injury of, injury of Zaha could be a, a bit of a hindrance for them. So like you say, yeah, I mean, potential. Uh, 12 points would be a bit... A bit tough to, to look for, but maybe 10, uh, you know, to, to maybe expect to drop one as a draw, just being on the safe side. But realistically, a lot of people have been saying it's a tough run-in. But since we've obviously got that result against City, the last two games of the season are going to be tough ones, uh, Liverpool and Wolves, I believe. Um, but yeah, and like you say, until then, they're very winnable games. And I think there's a lot of potential in, in terms of footstock and just in general. We're looking good for the top four. Yeah, no, definitely. I think right there. And by Nick, you know, last kind of thing we'll talk about Chelsea and we'll kind of move on, I suppose. But 3 0 down, you know, not having a away goal, uh, sorry, not conceding three away goals to go into the area, so it makes it really, really tough. But, you know, it is a Champions League. And yeah. Never, I mean, never, 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 but <laughs> I just, I'm not, yeah. They probably won't. But yeah, the first player up. But even like, you know, Bayern or Final, you'd expect him to go through. But even on the night, if it is a draw, you know, Champions League from the sounds of it, it sounds like we're going to have that in footstock, you know, we're looking to roll out some, some more cards and that kind of thing. So, yeah, even if they got a draw that night, you had a player or two that was involved when he scored a goal or something, it's not the end of the world. And having those players active, even when the season finishes, yeah. probably push up a wee bit of a premium. So, there might be some opportunities, some trades. Um, Definitely. Yeah. You know, I think although um, Solsi potentially adding those Champions League players into Footstock, although um, like they've said on kind of Footstock podcast that the demand won't be as much uh, because they're only playing, they're only eligible for those Champions League games. I think that's a bit irrelevant. I think, it, I don't think that's how it's going to work on the market and for traders. I feel like there's going to be so much hype around it. And although they're not being used, uh, obviously only for those games, I feel like having that attribute to a card that they, they, they will be playing in those tournaments, I think it's going to add a crazy value to them. So, yeah, another more more great reasoning for these Chelsea players, assuming they do get Champions League football next year. And next year, of course, yeah, definitely. Is there anybody else from the Chelsea squad trying you'd want to shed that out and have a chat about? So the other other youngsters briefly kind of skim over, but maybe not worth uh, the, the dabble in just yet. But obviously Loftus Cheek didn't look good when he played against Villa, but I still have a lot of faith in him. I think he's such a presence on the field. Uh, love him as a player. Uh, touch on Gil- uh, Billy Gilmore, great potential. Um, done very well before lockdown, hasn't been given a chance since. Uh, so one to look out for, but not for this really. Uh, Tamori at the back is my favourite. So obviously Chelsea defensively is always a concern. I love my club, but I mean, against City the other other day, looking at that game, I was petrified, to be perfectly honest with you, before kickoff. Uh, no, I have no faith in our keeper. 
Um, hopefully you can kind of turn that around um, going forward. But And just our defence and centre-backs, I never have any trust in them. For me, Tomori was always one that I did have a bit more trust in and looks really mature for his age, but isn't getting played at the moment. I think that might be down to fitness as well and maybe some knocks. So Tomori's another one I like, um, but maybe not consider. So I think I've spoken about so many different Chelsea players. Uh, to, to create a short list for players I'm interested in, I think it would probably be Pulisic. Uh, I, I honestly think Alonso. I think Alonso would be quite a nice buy towards the end of the season. Uh, Aspilicueta, just because he has a lot of utility, and I, I think he is, yeah, I mean, certainly towards the end of the season, he cemented his spot in that defensive line uh, by some means. Um, and then, ooh, it's a tough one, but maybe, I don't know if Mason Mount's a bit overpriced or, or not, but Mason Mount's another one to consider. So I think Pulisic is a must-have. Uh, and then from then on, obviously, we've got lots of other options. Last question I ask you about Chelsea, right? Then I'm completely next off. Um, Giroud, will we, will he continue to play out the rest of the season? He started two games in the row, he's kept Tammy out. Um, I'm surprised by that, you know, especially the City game. I thought it went for Tammy because that extra little bit of pace, but Giroud did his job, he did it well. Uh, do we think, you know, this one in a game for talking about it, we'll see more of Tammy? Yeah, so, so so I don't really know why I avoided them, other than it being quite a tough question, really. Um, yeah, but, but Tammy, Tammy and Giroud, it's really tough. I love Tammy. However, he's, he's done well this season. He scored the goals. But I just don't think he's he has enough of an influence on a game. Um, just not... And I know you say he's, he's got the pace over Giroud, but he is still a, a, quite a big, bulky... Well, not bulky, but slow he's got the pace over the likes of Giroud but even then he hasn't quite got the running in behind he I think he did against I think the best example of him running in behind was maybe against Arsenal the goal he got um I like him but with a lot of stars coming in he's really got a kind of when he gets given the chance um he's got to take it simple as that uh Giroud's obviously a bit more experience to bring into the game he knows how to hold the ball up uh and, and do what he's asked of basically uh, so going on for the rest of the season, obviously with the fixtures we've got coming up, I think we'll see Tammy a bit more, I think, against the not-so-good, uh, kind of more winnable games. Uh, I think Giroud's often used against the, the big teams. I'm not quite sure why that is, but uh, it's obviously something that Frank likes about that. Um, but yeah, with the fixtures coming up, I think Tammy will get a lot more game time and a lot more chance. And like I say, he's got to take those chances uh, with the players coming in. Sweet. Excellent. So where are we going to go next time? Um, I think we move on to Norwich. Um, so, so <laughs> obviously, as you know, I'm from from Norwich, rock bottom of the league. I don't know what to expect from them. Um, <laughs> yeah, <I guess. laughs> it's tough. No, when not put out the other day, I don't think anyone's seen it coming. Yeah, I don't know what he was thinking. So, yeah, it really does make me think he hasn't got a clue. Uh, Norwich are clearly putting a lot of faith in the manager Daniel Fark, but. Yeah, that lineup was a bit baffling and it obviously didn't go very well. They didn't really produce anything going forward. I mean, what I kind of caught glimpses of it. Obviously, Pookie didn't start. Am I right in saying Buendia and Campwell both didn't either? Correct. Both yeah, so it's just bizarre. I mean, it's clear to see that they are Norwich's probably best, most impactful players in the Premier League. And of, I mean, I know it's not a great position they're in, but the wins they have had have been massively down to those three players. So... Why he, he left them out, I don't know if it was... I don't know. I mean, if, if they'd have won, wow, we'd have looked awesome. But <laughs> they're not in a position to be like kind of pissing around like that. Every no, every game is a must-win. So that was bizarre for me. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what the thinking was behind it. So, 
when I look at the Norwich squad, and again, which I spoke about them last month, and there's a few, there's a few players that kind of jump out. They kind of young, excited players. Maybe they get shipped on in the summer. The Jamal Lewis and Max Adams, Ben Godfrey, Ben Dean, Campbell, Pookie. Is it with the fixtures they've got? Norwich are dead and buried. Let's just call a spade a spade. Yeah, not going to save themselves. Past that, they're going. We're championship next season. Is there anyone in that squad? Let's have a look at the fixtures. Two things. So the final fixtures we have for Norwich. In the periods we're talking about, in Hope of Brighton, a way of Watford, in Hope of West Ham, a way of Chelsea, in Hope of Burnham, and a way of City. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame that they're not in a slightly better position. If, if they've got five more points, they've still got something to, to fight for. That is, it's, uh, it's up and down, but generally, you've got a lot of winnable games in there, really, uh, especially with a team that are fighting for something. But as it is, as it stands, um, obviously, little to fight for at this point. I, pre-lockdown or, or got, coming back from lockdown, I think it was actually on that podcast with James or on the official Footstock podcast, I said that I thought we were going to see a lot of fight out of Norwich and we could see some ups, upsets and results. Uh, so far, I've been very wrong. They haven't looked like they've, they've really wanted it. They obviously got walked over by Southampton. And then I think Everton was a bit of a different one because, like you say, the lineup was just bizarre and I don't know what he was expecting from that lineup that he put out. Um, I think he's been a try to play the game in one basket for the game against Man United tonight. But, yeah. you know, like, you can't be sacrificing, you know, Premier League points. Even a draw against Everton would have been a, a much better reward than the you know, um, to then play Man United in the Cup. It's always have to play Rotherham, you know, like, yeah, exactly. you know, somebody who's played a good game against, you know, Man United will be taking that legacy, you know, in if it was against one of the better clubs left, like you say, but I mean, we're talking about United here. Do they genuinely think, I mean, yeah, of course, for the club, they'd love to go on in, in the FA Cup and they'd love to get a bit of success there when they haven't in the Prem. But I just think it's a bit unrealistic. I mean, United are probably going to put a slightly weaker team out. Um and like you say, resting those players, you can only assume that they're going to go all out and try beat United tonight. But um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. And I don't see how far they can potentially go with that. And I think the thing is with Norwich, um, they never really have much ambition in the Prem. Uh, I feel like to the owners, so you've got obviously lots of part owners, but Delia Smith and that, they've been around for a long time and they see the club as uh, money to be made and, and profit. I mean, and that's always the outcome, but I feel like that's all they ever they ever want a quick turnaround they've got a good academy Norwich have there's no doubt about that again we're seeing lots of youth players come through um but it always there's just no ambition to go on and be a better club and use and utilize those players it's literally like can we get out of the championship uh some of our young players to excel and then in the prem they just don't spend the money they don't put any effort in to stay there uh so yeah. I mean the last few times they've got into the prem they just haven't looked like staying there um, well, I've got to admit, I was surprised by the transfer activity in the summer you know, to the extent Joseph Dunwich is not an unknown player. You know, he's a credible enough, his yeah. goal record isn't amazing, but he's known in the German league, Switzerland National, of course. And mm. there was somebody else they picked up where I thought, you know, uh, I was a goalkeeper. Uh, he's got, uh, he's, I'm looking at the squad list, he's not there now, but he did get a good goalkeeper from Schalke. What's his name again? Oh, uh, yeah. I think, he, I think he might be maybe on loan. Well, I think he was on loan. I think he might have gone back now. But yeah, uh, was it Farman? Yeah, well, Farman, that's oh, yeah, exactly. exactly. So I've seen those two, so I'm like, okay, well, maybe we fancy it this year. But, you know, the goalkeeper, I'm looking at the squad list now. He's not listed, he's not there. So he must have yeah. been, must have cancelled it or didn't extend it the whole lockdown thing, perhaps. Mm. Um, 
Hang on, Jota's damage. He's not your right there. He's not yeah, your score. Let me say him. He's obviously got the. He's, he's he's had the experience. He's done it in other leagues. Uh, and Daniel Fark, obviously, he started him. I think he brought him on quite early in the Southampton game, and then he he obviously started ahead of Pukki uh, against Everton. So maybe there is a bit more to it, and maybe he is seeing something that we're not. Maybe in training. So uh, it's interesting to maybe watch him and just to see if if he can get the goal in the next couple of games against uh, in the fairly nice run of fixtures they've got. Um, maybe if he can get a goal, a bit of confidence going uh, that he could potentially rise. Obviously, his price has gone up kind of over one pound now after getting the start in the last game. So uh, yeah, like you said, I mean he is a credible player. He, he yeah he is okay um, for Norwich. Other than that, there is one that I did want to well a couple. So obviously. First of all, we'll start with the players that are are the best in the squad, but are they potentially going to going to go elsewhere? So I think the two ones to mention, or maybe three, is obviously Buendia, a class player. I don't know how much of him you've seen, but he he's really got some talent about him, uh, and he, he looks like he could fit in to um, I wouldn't say like a top top team, but maybe like a, the kind of Everton's and the, the I wouldn't say Wolves, but you know, the, yeah, those sort of teams. I, I feel like he could fit right into them and look good and, and be kind of one of the, the better players in one of those teams. Um, so in terms of picking him up, is he going to get anything going towards the end of the season? I'm not sure, uh, but you'd, I I think you've also got Campwell, who is another youth product, looks very good. I don't know how much he loves the club in terms of staying in in, in the Championship. I don't know if you would take a move away, but Buendia certainly more. I I think Buendia, I can certainly see him leaving. I don't think the club means enough to him to be sticking around in the championship. And he's just got too much quality. So Buendia is one that I've got a couple of um, on first stock and interests me. Uh, And the other option is kind of Max Ahrens as well. I think we see United come for him. Was it last summer? Uh, Potentially it was kind of between him and Wambasaka. Um, He's certainly a good, uh, a great kind of right back. He's got a lot of potential uh, and puts the worst the work in. I, I when I watched him the other day for Norwich, um, I feel like he was one of the ones putting quite a lot of work in, and he seemed really frustrated that others weren't. He looked quite fed up in many ways. Um, so I, I think we could potentially see him out of the doors as well. Not sure who might pick them up. Obviously, it's not as if United need him anymore. I'm trying to think of teams that potentially would go for him really, but. Uh, I think he's quite a reasonable price. He's come down a bit now. I think he's kind of in the two to three pound region. So uh, Max Aaron's is a nice one. But the one that I'm really interested in, I think might be worth a, a grab with the fixtures coming up, is Onel uh, Hernandez. I don't know if you see much of him. He's a one-star player. But he, I think, I don't know if he started or came on against Everton. I caught a bit of the game. And a bit of the game I did see, yeah. It, he, he looked really sharp. He looked like Norwich's best player on the pitch. And he's 45 pence, 45p. I think he might be one to grab an odd goal or assist and his, his PPG to increase slightly towards the end of the season, personally. So I think him at 45p is probably the only one that really stands out as a player that is money for money, really, I'd say. Yeah. Okay, cool. Fair play. Um, so I think we're going to chat Burnley now. Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll go Burnley next. Um, the one out of the four teams that we've got that I don't know as much much about. Uh, I've done a bit of research to a certain extent. Uh, I've, I've watched them recently. Uh, so they played Burnley. Uh, no, they, Burnley played Watford uh, <laughs> recently. <laughs> uh, <and> <laughs> 
they've got Paris next, but in the play dates, I've just changed them. They've played Burnley by uh, the Blue Watford, which I'm more surprised about. But then the fixtures we've got, we've got Sheffield at home, and then we're away to West Ham and Liverpool back to back, at home at Wolves, and then to finish the season off, it's Norwich and Brighton. The problem so I, I have with this is that they're sat 11th in the league at the moment. You look at what Burnley are all about and what they want to do, and obviously it's the primary is to stay up, and then they're kind of looking for like a mid-table finish, ideally, aren't they? So they're in that position now. The problem I see, they're not left in any other competitions as far as I'm aware. They're not in the FA Cup. They're not in anything else going. So the problem I have is what have they got to fight for? Uh, the run-in, they've got a couple of nice games, and then they've also got a couple of tough ones, like you say, Liverpool, Wolves, uh, Sheffield United will be tough. So... Um, I just don't know how much fight they're going to have in them, how much they're going to want this. Uh, will it be a time for maybe the manager to, to give some other some other tactics a go? Um, there certainly are some players that I'm interested in, but um, it concerns me, uh, yeah, really kind of the fight they're going to have towards the end of the season. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, yeah, because I, I, um, I've had Watford and my, and my team's pretty heavy on this one way because they have a lot of contract issues up in the air. Um, just you know, so all the players had to agree to extend contracts because of the whole lockdown stuff. So the the game before Watford, I can't remember exactly what it was. Was it City? Um, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. They, 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 they took a battering. Yeah, five nil. Because yeah. they had like three or four first team players not in the squad at all because of the contract disputes or whatever. So I thought I guess Watford would be much of the same story. Yeah. Um, and that's so the same with me as well. I actually um, yeah, I backed Watford in a lot of my tournaments because I think a lot of people were kind of swaying on that side. So to come away a 1-0 winners in that game was uh, yeah quite an impressive result really because like you say, Watford, yeah, with the squad they've got against obviously the issues Burnley are having, yeah, I was, I was another one. I, I did think that Watford would nick that game, but interestingly not. So for me, Burnley aren't too exciting in probably every sense of the, the phrase. Um, yeah. But in terms of first stock and tournaments and whatever, what they do almost guarantee you is there's some defenders that will get some good scores, I believe. You know, fair enough the PPGs in the ball or not, like Aspel Quares up in the up in the upper echelons or whatever, but you know they get a fair chance at a clean sheet. And even if they don't, they'll be tackling, passing, recoveries, you know, they'll be involved in all it's a very defensive team versus defensively active. Um uh, is there anyone across that team? Nick Pope and Dwight McNeil, of course, are the, the headlines on Footstock. They're only two three-star players. Yeah. Uh, they're great PPGs and, you know, the only ones that... I think if we... Like you say, avoiding Dwight McNeil, because we know he's good. He's, he's a good player. Um, I think his, his PPG is actually very consistent. So he, he is performing well in terms of the matrix and that. But uh, other than that, like you say, defenders, we've got kind of... Maybe Ben Mee, uh, Charlie Taylor, I quite like. I think he plays on the left, I believe. Um, yeah, so I think he's like a kind of a 90p-ish player. I quite like him, potentially, kind of with a, maybe a bit of uh, attacking, some attacking contributions, uh, Like and, and like you say, the, the chance of the clean sheet. Uh, and just fighting. I think that's the thing in this team, uh, Sean Dice. You, you know they always can, they're always going to fight and kind of give the rule in the game. Uh, so I, I think with those defenders, like you say, I think defenders are often the best place to look uh, for value within that team. Uh, bit of a weird one. I don't know if he's won one of the contract ones, maybe, because I know he's getting on a little bit. But like Jay Rodriguez, I think going forward, they really haven't got a lot up top. Um, I can see maybe in the run run in, maybe Jay Rodriguez could get a couple of goals and be the kind of vocal point up top, maybe. Um, he, he's obviously got a lot of experience, been around a lot of clubs. 
um, about three fifty, I think. Uh, yeah. So he, he's one. Uh, and I think the other one, the only other one that jumped out a bit me a bit, and I haven't seen a lot of them at all, so I might be chatting absolute kind of shit here, really. So you, I don't know if you've seen any more or the viewers have, but one that I noticed is getting a bit of game time. I think plays on the right is, is Josh Brownhill. At 46p is the only reason that he stands out a little bit, just very cheap and obviously young and being given a chance. So other than that, I don't know a lot about him. I haven't watched him play a lot. But Josh Brownhill, maybe, uh, is, is worth maybe just a, a 46p. Uh, a go because because like, like I say not a lot to fight for is the manager gonna, manager going to switch up a bit give people the chance play around with tactics maybe we could see him kind of do something in the future so kind of Charlie Taylor Jay Rodriguez and Brownhill are the only ones that really stand out uh, at all um, I'm not sure out of those who, who are worth a, a worth a go on really now, Burnhill, I don't remember what the fee was, but they spent, a, in Burnley terms, a lot of money on the gang in the summer from Bristol City when he had a big injury. And when he played the other night, or whenever it was, um, when he was just starting to come back into the team, he was just starting to get fit and whatnot again. I didn't realise he was as cheap as 45p. Um, and I said, I can't remember the transfer fee. I want to say something like 7 million, maybe. Ooh, yeah, that is a lot of money for Burnley, isn't it? Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 might be, I might be wrong, but when I heard the transfer fee, whatever it is, when I heard it, I thought, oh, that is quite a lot of money for Burnley to spend, you know, so um, any Bristol City fans that are in the audience and maybe able to shed some light how good it was for them or whatever, but I think the 45p for somebody, Sean Dyche, you know, let's call a spade a spade, I've not really, Joe Hart aside, I've not really seen him make a bad transfer into Burnley, I've not heard them signing yeah. somebody, and it's not worked out at all, it's been an absolute... Um, riot, especially in because he doesn't spend much money, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, guys like Archer Bestwood, he's brought to the club, you know, G Rodriguez, as we're talking about bringing them back, they brought in Chris Woods, you know, a lot of his transfers have been from the Championship, as you can examine it a bit closer, and I think a lot of them have worked out. So, I think that's a good one you spotted there, for uh, 45p, one star, yeah. and if he is going to be involved in clean sheets, running the line crosses, I think you're right, I think he's a right mid. Adam Lennon's out the door, so he'll probably be first choice for the closing stages of the season. And I, I, I'm glad you've, you've brought that to my attention. He was 45 piece. I think that could be a reason. Yeah, I, I to say, uh, it sounds like you know a lot more about him than me, but um, yeah. I've just told you everything I know. That is all I know. I don't know anymore. Anyway, so. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely worth a, worth a go, and I think I might have to jump, jump on it as well, personally, actually. Uh, just a yeah. bit of a gamble, but I mean, it's not really a gamble at that price, is it? Um, not it can't go a lot uh, if he was to not work out and I think that's the great thing about footstock uh, kind of going off a little bit uh, but with the low end part of the market there is just no risk um, if they don't work out and they move elsewhere they become they become inactive and they're they're a one pound player pretty much um, it's it's I mean I don't know if that's going to change in the future but yeah the value in 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 inactive players bloody us a tongue twister uh, is is there and it and yeah honestly leaving the league or whatever is is a, is a pot has a positive effect on these players quite often so um yeah definitely mm. and if they give that ppg up you know we're seeing guys like actually westwood and whatever when the ppgs go static they can be valuable in the roulettes and whatnot yeah. uh the virtual battles you know mean you have a channel on your live stream uh the, the, the night before we're recording this and you're doing a one way team went and i was like hey, oh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, I remember that, yeah. And, um, you know, so Burnley, I actually really like Burnley seeing the cheap um, virtual battles, the, the bronze one or whatever it's called, the 50p entry. I really like, if I see Burnley in it, if I'm doing a virtual battle or a little session or whatever, I love Burnley because they've got 
on what anyway some but we don't have a digression but anyway somebody like him could be easily added into your complement if you do like the virtual battles and that kind of thing as well yeah i agree 100%. so the final team we've got the biggest of them all we're going to manchester city the one in the only so for manchester city right it's, it's a crazy finish to the league now liverpool have won it we all imagine pet is probably going to steer the the energy and the focus towards FA Cup and Champions League, of course. Yeah. The main fixtures, now Pep is not, there is a slight chance that second becomes a bit shaky. If we have a quick look at the table as we record, this is before Man City play Newcastle, as we before record this now. 63 points, Leicester and Chelsea are only, you know, 8 and 9 points behind, respectively, with 7 games to go. So I think they want to tie up and make sure there's no embarrassment. They want to make sure that second place gets, um, it's done. Yeah. Well, because the leak is now out of the equation entirely, the pep roulette is just taking the next a next dimension, I think. You know, how much mm. rotation is there going to be? So the fixtures we are covering is going to be City away at Southampton, at home at Newcastle, away at Brighton, at home at Bournemouth, away at Watford and away at Norwich. So all of those games are, 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 are on paper gimmies for Man City. They're not going to win the league. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy I mean let's be honest if they didn't have these other the FA Cup and the Champions League to go for and they were going for these fixtures I mean the, the amount of goals they could tally up especially the kind of form they've been in obviously kind of walking over Burnley and to be honest walking over Arsenal to a certain extent as well um, God yeah the, those those fixtures look quite worrying and it, they could get messy and they still could um, it, it's going to be Pep Roulette like you say but uh, they've got such depth in their team. Even when they are putting a, a weaker side out, <laughs> it's still a team that can literally just do so much damage against these sort of teams. Yeah, big team. So I think we're a heavy rotation now. Uh, as we record, Kevin De Bruyne's price prices went down below the hundred pound mark again, and I think a big reason for that will be the fact that he, amongst a few others, probably aren't really guaranteed much minutes now for the remainder of the season, minus the FA Cup and the Champions League in August. Do we see more Phil Foden over this last part of the season? Do we see more of these youth guys like uh, Eric Garcia? Um, Try to see who else is on this. Does Leroy Sandy start getting the minutes now all of a sudden? Yeah, well, well I see something on Twitter earlier as well. It, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that is still definitely going through to, to Bayern Munich. Like, it is pretty much settled, isn't it? But, yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, if you've got him... He's obviously not in the future plans. I'm just trying to f- think how Pep would think here. Is it worth utilising him for the rest of the season? Probably, uh, I mean, especially in the Premier League, because then you're at least you're risking him as opposed to players you need for the other competitions. So potentially, Sane could get a bit of game time before before he potentially goes off. Uh, yeah, I'm two Sane. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm two Sane. I mean, he's up at fourteen pounds. Thinking, oh, do I sell or do I not? He's down around the four or five pound mark for now. Yeah. So if it does. He does get the minutes and does get, you know, he's a wildly talented guy, you know, then he could he could become he could probably jump back up in place a good fair bit. But you're gonna talk about Phil Foden there, sorry. Yeah, well yeah, I was gonna hear Phil Foden just because I know how much you love him. And um <laughs> well and so do I, honestly, what a talent he is. And I it's so so cliche, I don't really want to talk about it too much, but he just needs the minutes and I think now is the perfect opportunity for Pep to give him them. Um it's not as if He's not that young kind of risk anymore. He isn't. He's so mature about the way he plays football. And I genuinely think he would slip into to most of the Premier League teams. He's that good. Um, so I'd love to see every time he's, get, he's given a chance, he pretty much takes it. So I think he's got to start a lot more games uh, towards the end of the season. He is obviously quite expensive. It's like £25-ish. 
Um, yeah. That's a, another thing that's a bit of a kind of limiting factor for me, a bit like Reese James uh, with the limited game time. But going forward, there's no reason. I mean, I think I see in an interview that the talks about him taking over from David Silver. I mean, they're big boots to fill, but you see them bits being weirdly quite similar players. He, he is very creative. Um, and just doesn't really kind of he does the simple stuff right but also sees those really difficult passes and yeah I just love the way he plays and if he's given the right chances and given the chance to, to, to develop at Man City I don't see why he'd go elsewhere um, so it's an interesting one at £25 in the next couple of years he's got potential to be a big big boy um, mm-hmm. at the moment value for money I mean what do you think I'm sure I know you're a massive fan of him but it's, it's interesting to know what you think uh, well, yeah, I, I think it's the old kind of thing you never really want to say on a recording, but surely the only way can be up, you know. Um, yeah. £23 pound, mate, the people you compare them with that stock-wise or whatever, the probably like your Greenwoods and I suppose to, to an extent, of course, Pulisic and Reese James. Yeah. But I think for the fact that he is 20, if he does, I, I think what will happen a lot, right, is, see these games we're talking about, let's say minutes-wise, he gets 75% of the minutes available across these fixtures, you know, whether it be 60 minutes in that game, 20 minutes in that, 90 minutes, 90 minutes, you know, whatever, whatever the, the, the kind of procedure and the pattern is. I think if he gets about that two-thirds to 75% minutes available across those fixtures, people will then, what you just said, they will, will really underline, yeah, he's going to play much more next year. He's going to, you know, Silver is leaving the club. Look at them now. The league's done. They're just getting them right up to speed now. Obviously, we've got Champions League to come in August, but in terms of the league and the domestic stuff, and I think then, because a lot of the stuff to do with pricing is speculation-based, you're buying cards in the hope that they will earn you tournament money tomorrow, in air quotes, you know. So if you think that he's going to be playing in a successful Man City team at the age of 20, bearing in mind the cards don't expire, De Bruyne at the moment is slickly around £100 mark at the age of 28, you know, do you get as much, as many miles out of the card on a forwarding if you do a De Bruyne for a, a quarter of the price, I definitely think you do. Yeah. And then I think that when you can justify prices in that sense, it quickly then becomes half the price of De Bruyne rather than a quarter of the price. Hmm. That makes sense? Yeah, no, that, that's, yeah. Not something, that's not something that happened overnight. That's something that is a sore burner, you know, but I, I think, you know, it's not really a bad thing to buy something like that. Yeah. And I think another thing to, to look at is the fact that I personally think uh, potentially, I, it's tough to. to I mean, we're both fairly new to, to footstock. We're not really kind of veterans yep. that have seen it from the start. But um, I think value, uh, the value you can make in the tournaments. I personally, I've said this so many times, but for me, the whole market is just so undervalued with the with the potential returns in the tournaments. Um, yeah. And for me, De Bruyne being an absolute world beater, like just a player that is so important in the Premier League going into the next season, for example. Um, a hundred pound for me when you compare them to your Trents that are one hundred and forty and uh, Bruno that's two fifty. I feel like either they're they're overpriced or De Bruyne is seriously underpriced. And I think De Bruyne probably should be a bit more than he is at the moment. So when you take that into consideration as well, you, you've got even more leeway with Foden for the future. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that do kind of put a little bit of a ceiling on De Bruyne is the fact that he is twenty eight. If City were to win the Champions League and then somebody like a Real Madrid came calling, you know, would he think, do you know what, yeah, it's time, you know, is he, is he going to retire to City? I'd probably say not, to be honest with you. I think he does want to... Definitely. I, I think, I think he, 
you know, it, it's criminal if this guy finishes his career without a Ballon d'Or, in my opinion. You know, he's yeah. the best midfielder I've seen since Zidane. And uh, I mean that in, in all sincerity. You know, he's incredible. He's so good. Oh, I definitely Both agree. He, he probably will. He will go elsewhere. But I mean, you'd like to think he's got a, a few more. Obviously, he's going to want to. I think a lot of the, the City players want to win that Champions League that they so desire. Yes. Um, definitely. So yeah, we're especially with Copley last season, Silver were leaving at the end of this year. There's a real kind of there's a dynasty that have built the team up to where we're at. Then but you know, when Chelsea won the Champions League when they did, it was a perfect time. Drogba was in the squad, Terry, Lampard, the guys that had been there for the you know, the whole journey, you know, so it was a great kind of crescendo. So I know company's not there anymore, but it would be a crime shame if we did win the Champions League and there's no Tourney. There's no Compre, then there's no Silva, maybe there's no Aguero by the time it happens. I think that would be a little bit of a, you know, small tangent, right? I kind of, I believe in a lot of fate in football. I think there's a lot of kind of fate and fortune that goes into it all. And I think, see that fucking VAR decision that gave Spurs the goal against City, but then put them in the semi-final against Ajax. I think what the the footballing gods have laid out for us this year, that VAR fucked for us all. Was it Man City and Liverpool? How tight was the league last year? Goal difference, wasn't it? Yeah. It was meant to be a Champions League final of Man City and Liverpool in Madrid. That's what it was meant to be. That's what it was meant to happen, you know. And uh, imagine they had that game last year. I think that would have been amazing. So, anyway, yeah. really bad as well. I think those things do come into players, that passion. You know, so, I think, hope you do well in the Champions League this year. Having a first level advantage over Real Madrid isn't something we've had the luxury of having previously. So I'm quite uh, optimistic about that. I don't remember the original point I was talking about, but I do that quite a lot. Oh, yeah, Silva and Foden and for like uh, for Yeah, I yeah, got you. So I'm just trying to think. So with the fixtures, we're expecting a lot of rotation. Who are the least likely players to get rotated? Um, maybe a goalkeeper. I don't know if Bravo's going to play in the league much, especially about the fact there's no medal for him to get. You know, it's like wrap the week up, and then it's like, okay, let's get people minutes now to, yeah. to get the medals dished out. I think the goalkeeper Ederson, I think he's probably quite stable to play most games. Yeah, I like that. And so, obviously, but being a, I don't know if that's what you're going to say, or, um, but being a possession-based team like they are, obviously that they are, they can be counted against. But generally, he's not facing a hell of a lot of shots, so he's going to be keeping clean sheets. But at the same time, in terms of, it'd be interesting to see how that kind of goes. Really, and in terms of footstock, I think saves are a massive thing for goalkeepers. Um, so he he's got the clean sheets potentially for him, but the lack of action in a lot of games, especially with the running he's got. Uh, but I mean, yeah, Edison not being rotated is is a kind of a good positive to him. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd like to see Bernardo Silva play a little bit more. Normally, he's one of the least rotated out of the squad along with Sterling. But again, it's it's really going to be dicey this last bit of the season. Who is actually going to be playing? Gundogan normally plays more often than not. Pep really likes him. No, I agree, oh, um, but I have got Bernardo Silva written down uh, as one of mine. Uh, the yeah. reason being is, I mean, you've got Mares. I absolutely love Mares as a player. So, so good to watch. Another one of these that I could just watch. He makes everything look so easy. Um, yeah. And he was going to be who I initially, uh, initially was kind of going to recommend. But then I, I look at the players. He's £20. You scroll across and you see Bernardo Silva at £7 or, or less than yeah. £7. For me, I, I think Bernardo Silva's a must-have, uh, even if he is being rotated in and out. It's obviously tough to get it right at the right time for your footstock tournaments and whatever else, uh, putting him in at the right time. But for me, he's so underpriced. He's a similar age, isn't he? He's even younger than yeah. Mara is. Yeah, I just had the ages and stuff in front of me. Mara's is 29, I can tell you that. And exactly. Yeah, he's 25. 
like it, yeah, it, it absolutely baffles me that we're looking at Bernardo Silva at less than seven pounds. So he's my first one for me that it sh- surely is is a must have really. Um, a quality so player. Silva this year in the league has had twenty seven starts, five goals, five assists. Mares twenty six starts on appearances that probably is actually thing I'm looking at yeah. with nine goals and no assists. So similar kind of goal contribution, you know, for a similar amount of minutes. But the thing with Bernie for me, Bernardo Silva, is he play he can Pep can put him in a midfield three. He can play him wide. He can even play him as a false nine. Mares is only really going to be in the front three. So with the rotation, the players that have more options to be rotated around are going to be the ones that are probably going to play more minutes. Uh, I would, I would, I would suspect. Yeah. Again, yeah, so brilliant point. So, yeah, I love him. Uh, obviously, with Aguero's injury, I mean, do we know the severity of it? Is it going to be most of the season, do you know? Or? He, might, he might make the Champions League. Oh, so, he's out for the Premier. Exactly. So, I mean, for me, that, that may be turns the spotlight to, to Jesus. I know the other day we see, obviously, City try play without an out-and-out centre-forward. Uh, and it didn't work for them against Chelsea. But we've seen them do it in the past and it has been successful. So it is something that Pep's got in his back pocket. He can use that. But realistically, surely he's, he's got to be starting Jesus for the most part. And I think he's going to be someone that isn't secure in the team, but with no other real proper kind of striker option. Surely Jesus is going to get a lot of game time, and normally when he gets given a job, he, he does it fairly well, in my opinion. Yeah, I think uh, Jesus and Sterling, uh, out of the two of them, they'll probably feature again something like two thirds, seventy-five percent of the time in the run out, uh, you know, the, the closeout to the season. Just with the lack of Aguero, Sani is he going to get minutes or not? And then obviously they do, they don't want anyone else getting get an Aguero style injury before the Champions League because it's that is the most important thing now, undoubtedly. You know, so I think um, I think I can expect to see them more often than not. I think in the midfield and defence we do see a lot of rotation, especially as I look for now, it was injuries to Eric Garcia and John Stones. Kyle Walker played a blinder against Chelsea. I thought mm, Kyle Walker. Yeah. Everyone seems to slate him. He doesn't score well on football index. He doesn't seem to score that great on footstock either. But soon I watch Kyle Walker, I think the guy is... He's really good, isn't he? I mean, he, he certainly hasn't lost any of his pace about him. He is still fast. I mean, a couple of times he's chasing down some Chelsea players. And it, yeah, remarkable. And he, he does he, he does his job well. And he's certainly been more consistent this season. Uh, I mean, he, he kind of kept Cancelo out, hasn't he? I mean, that was obviously a very big signing for you. Uh, and, and I loved him as a big like, Yeah, so it, that shows how good he has been, really, kind of keeping him out of the team. Uh, I think we've seen Cassell a little bit more throughout the course of the season, yeah. so he hasn't really played much, as you say, but what were you going to say, sorry? Uh, I was just going to say, going over to the other side of the defence is one that I like, like to look of a lot. However, we have just come out of the game against Chelsea, and he did struggle in that to a certain extent. Yeah, but shit. me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Mendy, I mean, are you not a big fan of him? I, oh, no, no, no. Overall, yeah, but I guess Chelsea... Uh, he was, yeah, he was pretty poor, to say the least, wasn't he? But, yeah, no, I, I like him. He's looked sharp since lockdown. <laughs> Again, not against Chelsea. Um, but in that fir- first game, he just, yeah, he, he certainly did look the best he's looked for City. Um, against Burnley, at least, I think he looked very good. So, yeah, um, yeah interesting one. I, I think at that price, in terms of attacking contributions and that, our defenders uh, on footstock and that, I think he's a good one to look to. Last one kind of nugget, nugget of knowledge I'll kind of bestow is uh, I know from, and you, it's not really a secret, you know, if you kind of follow City and Pep, you, you'll have heard this before, but Pep does not does not want to or like to play Mendy and Sani together. 
So if uh, Mendy is going to become rested for the Champions League, say if they put first choice left back over Sinchenko, then if Sinchenko is playing, there is then the option or the, the potential that he will put Sani into the squad um, to give him that attacking on the left hand side. Yeah, he does not want or he will avoid at all costs playing Sani and Mendy together. So especially if we do maybe see Mendy pick up a wee knock or maybe five yellow cards or a red, you know, maybe you know he's not going to play or he's unlikely, but then and then might open the door for Sani to come in. So that's something you can nice, yeah. you, know, you can watch out for and maybe try and get that differential pick that no one else seems kind of thought of or I agree with you. I think that in terms of Sane, I think it is a limited ga- uh, gamble. At the price he's at now, um, he turns inactive. Obviously, I know he's only one star, so that doesn't really have a, a good effect on his card at all. But we are looking in, in the long-term future to footstock opening up to these other leagues. So I think, realistically, it's not a, a disastrous kind of risk. I mean, if you're in it for the short term, then yeah, you're probably going to see quite a, a painful one when he does potentially leave. Uh, but I like him as a bit of a risk, really, at this price. To be honest with you, just to, just to try and get the points um, towards the end of the season, uh, and then yeah, going forward. He's got, some, he's got something to prove as well. If you're trying to get a transfer, you know, you want to come back and show that I'm fit and firing. You know, pay the money, get the signed. You know, so he's he's motivated. Excellent. Is there anything else you'd, you'd want to share with the listening millions? Uh, no, not really. So we've gone for our f- four teams. Um, other than that, I'd, I'd, I'm privileged to be on it, really. It's, uh, like I say, something we've been uh, looking to do for quite a long time. And just watching your content, really, in general uh, over this time is always, it always shocks me, your your football and knowledge, how far it goes. It's certainly well past <laughs> mine. So um, it's just such a broad <laughs> knowledge. So uh, I think I'm getting, as, as I get more and more into to footstock and football index, uh, it's, it's turned from quite a limited Premier League knowledge. Um, I think it's an interesting one. I, I, do you, have you played FIFA? You, you play a bit of FIFA, don't you? Or you certainly used I to, anyway. It. Yeah, I play a bit of FIFA. I, I tried to... I've been to it this year. I was going to bend it this year because my pals when they play an ultimate team, ultimate team is the only thing I play. And then this year, they both went, oh, we're going to play ultimate team. And I thought, right, fuck, I wasn't going to buy FIFA. <laughs> they played it for a month and then dropped it. And then I'm stuck with it now. You know, I've paid 60 quid for a game and I've bought packs and ultimate team and all that. So... Yeah. I like John, by the way. John is a fucking... John is a... John's a sneaky one. I like to play John on my team, John Nellis. Yeah. Um, and uh, you want to see the fucking team he's got, by the way. What, really? Get, oh, yeah. You want to see the old team he's got. He's, oh, we've got up a little like, footstock football index uh, tournament now, surely. Yeah. But what console are you on? That's going to be the issue. PS4, of course. Uh, see, I'm an Xbox, but I think I am going to move over to PlayStation mm. in the future. But anyway, we really are going off here. But, uh, but what I was actually getting at in terms of FIFA is uh, it's crazy what a knowledge FIFA actually gives you. It's a very base, basic kind of knowledge, but yeah, yeah. just playing that, just it always always makes me laugh. Like just even like the, the geography side of it, just knowing every single country, just because you play bloody FIFA and you just know like all the cities and that so uh yeah, yeah. I, i've kind of gone from from fifa just to learn a bit more about the prem and going out into other leagues uh and then obviously since we're in football index footstock i've been going from there but uh i don't even know how i got onto that just yeah, to, knowledge 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 you can, yeah knowledge is just one you know in terms of like football yeah, any trivial stuff i know but you, know, you just it's just you accumulate you know you read stuff you know things that you remember and you think oh that was interesting that's you know it's just before you know it you're, you're like me and you're full of useless information <laughs> 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 on these platforms is actually quite useful to be quite profitable you know but um 
yeah. Oh yeah. Now other than that, um, I, I just I guess a quick little kind of plug just to, to my YouTube. If you haven't, you can see my YouTube. Yeah. I'm I'm lethal on YouTube. Spelled a bit weird. So um, either search for, for kind of footstock content. Um, I do a couple of series like roulette battles is, is one that goes down quite well. Uh, but other than that, yeah, just lethal on Twitter and on on YouTube, and that's about it really. I've really enjoyed making this. Right, well, Lethal, thanks a lot for joining us. All the links to Lethal stuff, by the way, will be in the description of the of the, the podcast you just listened to. So if you want to go check out his stuff, it'll be super easy for you to find. He's all over the place. He's not a hard guy to track down. Um, but again, uh, Lethal, I've had an absolute pleasure sitting having a chat with you today. So thanks very much for taking the time out of your day to come and uh, bestow some wisdom with us and some point of views and whatnot. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot, guys. I hope you enjoyed this. And I'll see you in the next part. Take care. See ya. So massive thanks again to Lethal for the episode. Uh, we're going to be picking up 12 cards. We're going to go with one Cesar Azpilicueta. We're going to be taking up two Christian Pulisic, one Onel Hernandez from Norwich. This is a little wild card for us. One Phil Foden, three Bernardo Silva, one Leroy Sani, just in case he does start to rack up those minutes and push his value up a bit. Uh, from Burnley, we will take one Charlie Taylor. I'm going to go with two Josh Brownhill just because he could be a little unsuspecting, under the radar kind of signing. Uh, thanks a lot, guys, and I hope you enjoy the next part.